Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Jaina Kelly. Jaina has been writing the cat advice blog, Pause and Effect, since 2013. She strives to help people understand their cats and learn about feline behavior and health issues. In her day job, she works for an animal rescue organization and has the privilege of sharing that organization's stories through web and social media outreach. For the Diabetic Cats in Need group, she is the secretary of the board and social media manager. She lives with her three cats, Thomas T., Belladonna, and Tara, the real authors of Pause and Effect. Jaina, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. So I was wondering if you could share with us, how did you get started working with uh, diabetic cats in need? And also, how did you get your interest with community cats? Well, um, first of all, actually, I've been writing Pause and Effect since 2003. Sorry if I made a mistake there on my information. But in any case, I got involved with diabetic cats in need because I adopted a diabetic cat myself from Heart of Maine, uh, which is a uh, all-volunteer run shelter in, well, in Southern Maine. And because diabetic cats in need provide some of the much needed uh, items like testing supplies and insulin and things like that, it made it possible for me to adopt her and also to get the education I needed from uh, heart staff and people at Diabetic Cats in Need. So they were able to help me um, understand what it's like and what I need to do to keep a diabetic cat healthy. And in fact, Bella actually went into remission after three weeks in my home. So that's how I that's how I first heard about Diabetic Cats in Need. A couple of years later, I was I've been following them on Facebook and I saw that they were looking for volunteers to help out with various tasks and the board secretary and social media position seemed like it was just the right fit for me. So I applied and I've been involved with them for a couple of years now. Excellent. How, how big is their board of directors? There are four of us, actually. Um, we have a president, we have a treasurer, we have the secretary, and we have our case management, uh, I'm sorry, our development director. Those are the four people on our board. And then we have a number of other people, case managers who also serve as volunteers and help owners of diabetic cats with education and with getting financial support as well. How long has Diabetic Cats in Need been in existence? Um, since about 2006, it started as an extension of the Feline Diabetes Message Board, where there were some people on the board who began to realize that there were owners of diabetic cats who needed more assistance than they might be able to get on the forums. So a couple of women, Vanita Wood and Jennifer Jasensky, started this separate thing that was called the Feline Diabetes Message board Cats in Need blog, and that kind of morphed into the organization Diabetic Cats in Need that we know now. And do you have a sense of how many cats you're currently supporting? Well, cats that we're currently supporting, I'm not uh, I'm not entirely sure, but it's probably almost 100, I would say, just, you know, in terms of both education and with financial assistance. And I could be wrong because I haven't asked my head of case management how many we've got on the roster right now, but we've certainly assisted probably a good 700 cats over the years since Diabetic Cats in Need started. Wow, that's phenomenal. Many years ago, I took in a community 
cat. It was a super, super friendly, big, round-faced tomcat. And I actually thought he had belonged to the neighbors, but it turned out not the case. And I took him in and he eventually ended up uh, becoming diabetic. So, you know, it's very apparent that community cats do have a population of diabetic cats out there. Any thoughts or ideas for folks dealing with diabetic cats that, you know, are in their homes and if they have never had a diabetic cat, can you sort of offer any sort of motivational wisdom? Sure. Well, first of all, the first thing you need to know is that diabetes is not a death sentence for cats. It's really important that anybody whose cat who's recently diagnosed with diabetes understand that it's a very treatable illness and that once you get that illness under control, any kind of behavior issues that might have resulted from the diabetes, for example, um, a lot of diabetic cats urinate excessively and often that might be something like urinating outside the litter box. But once the diabetes is under control, the urination should get back under control too. They should know that it might take a little while to get the insulin dosage just right, but once they do, it's a very it's a very easy thing to deal with. It's two shots a day, um, about 12 hours apart. And um, cats, uh, actually diabetic cats can go into remission. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. So actually diabetic cats can go into remission with the appropriate diet and with a regular routine vet care. In fact, I got my cat Belladonna into remission by feeding her a high protein, low carbohydrate canned food diet, which is what a lot of vets will recommend for their cats with diabetes. Can I ask you what you feed your cats? Yeah, I, I personally feed raw food. I feed a freeze dried raw, but you can actually get that high protein, low carbohydrate food at all price points. At, at Heart of Maine, when I volunteered there and when I adopted Bella, we fed our diabetic cats Frisky's Classic Pate, Fancy Feast Classic Pate. Basically, any canned food that does not have a gravy is is probably going to be okay. There's one, There's a great educational resource in the Feline Diabetes Message Board. Those people there can help you find lists of different foods that would meet those guidelines. And even if your cat doesn't go into remission eating those, his blood sugar will be a lot more stable and he'll be healthier in the long run. So I was just thinking, even if your cat isn't diabetic, would that be a better diet for your current cat? Well, I believe so because cats are obligate carnivores. That is, they, they're evolved. They have to eat meat to survive. And they're also not designed to digest carbohydrates. Like they don't have the same kind of enzymes that we do. I mean, I could get all geeky about this, but basically what happens when cats eat carbohydrates is that even in healthy cats, their blood sugar goes sky high and then it comes right back down again. In non-diabetic cats, they can handle that for a while, but with diabetic cats, that can be a real problem. But if you're feeding them that diet that might prevent them from becoming potential diabetic cats later in life? I would say definitely. Um, and also obesity is a big risk factor for diabetes. So if your cat is overweight, then it's really important to work with your vet um, to get your cat down to an appropriate weight. I mean, not only will it help prevent diabetes, but it will help prevent other things like heart disease and arthritis and things like that that happen um, much more frequently to obese cats. Can you tell me a little bit more about diabetic cats in need and how people can help volunteering donations. Sure. Yeah. So um, diabetic cats in need is a volunteer run organization. All the money we raise goes to treatment and assistance for diabetic cats. And so what we need more than anything else is we could definitely use some volunteers. So if you're interested in getting involved with diabetic cats in need, we could use people who we call case managers, who basically are individuals who work with two or three people that have 
have diabetic cats, help them learn about things like home testing, basic care of diabetic cats. And these people also help to arrange financial assistance for people who need it because we do provide financial assistance to people who meet certain income guidelines. So volunteering would be a big way to help. Another way to help us would be to donate. We have our critical care fund, which we are trying to build up to provide a reserve of cash to help cats in diabetic crises. Those things are very expensive. They can run into the thousands of dollars very easily. And often the first time we meet a diabetic cat is when they're having a health crisis and the owner can't afford the care that the cat needs. So the critical care fund is especially crucial for us to build up so that we can be there for more people to help their diabetic cats and save their lives. As an organization, um, all volunteer run organization, I mean, it sounds like your board and volunteers are all over the place. What? How do you run fundraising events? What we do is when we have a cat in crisis, we'll generally set up a You Caring fundraiser and we'll share that information on our Facebook page, hoping that we can raise some donations to help each individual cat. And um, so so we run our fundraisers typically through You Caring. We run our organization. We are basically, like you said, we're all over the country. So we conduct our board meetings by phone. We have a Facebook group for our team members and our board members. So we use a lot of social media for our internal communications and to help one another. How often does your board meet on an annual basis? <laughs> we meet once a month and then anything that needs to be discussed between board meetings, we have a, a Facebook group for our board members and we talk about things there. If there's somebody out there that needed assistance, how would they find you? Well, um, you could certainly go to our website, which is dcin.info. And if you click on Compassionate Assistance Program, that will get you to the page where you can learn about the program and also apply for aid from us. We have a Google form that you would fill out, and that's basically you fill out the Google form. So if you don't want to fill out the Google form, you can use email and fill out answer the questions on the page and send that to our executive director and we'll get right back in touch with you. Um, I know we've spent a lot of time talking about the organization and diabetic cats and just wanted to hear your thoughts with regards to community cats and spaying and neutering, trap neuter return programs. Have you had any involvement in that area? I haven't had any direct involvement in trap neuter return programs, but I'm a huge TNR advocate and I will anytime somebody, for example, emails my blog and asks me what to do about feral cats, I suggest that they find a local feral cat program that does trap neuter return work because they can assist them. Um, I also write for catster.com and I've written a couple of articles on the benefits and importance of trap neuter return and spay and neuter as well. I think spay and neuter is the single most important thing people can do to control the cat population and to prevent more cats from becoming homeless and becoming community cats. So I'm a big advocate of spay and neuter. And any time I have a chance to give, get that message across, I'll do it. That's great. That's excellent. And thank you for that. One thing that the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society does and quite a few other organizations in Massachusetts, and I'm not sure how this is across the country, we do adopt out diabetic cats. Is there like a registry or a listing of organizations that either assist or adopt out diabetic cats? Well, we do have uh, diabetic cats in need does work with a number of shelters, primarily on the East Coast, because that's where most of our board is based. We we share courtesy posts from shelters that are that are um, that have diabetic cats in their care. So basically, although we don't have any kind of formal networking, we do have uh, a shelter. We do work with shelters when we can. Uh, Heart of Maine, where I adopted my Belladonna, is one of the major shelters that we work with. And we're actually pretty fortunate that there are more and more 
our shelters that are understanding that diabetic cats are adoptable and that pe- there are people willing to adopt them. We're actually looking for somebody, a volunteer, to help us get our shelter program kind of back in place so that we can actually do more formal partnerships with animal shelters. So if that's an interest you have, please do feel free to contact us because we would love to have your help. Yeah, I think um, like a shelter or adoption program liaison is a tremendous role and would be a great asset. Yeah, and certainly if that's something that you if that's something that you're interested in applying for as a volunteer with diabetic cats in need, if you go to our website dcin.info and then click on shelter program, there are links to applications to become our shelter manager or a shelter coordinator. There's a job description and the application that that are linked from that page. So it sounds like you are uh, looking to recruit some volunteers. Have you listed those positions on like volunteer match or any of those sort of volunteer matchmaking sites? You know, that's a good idea. We hadn't done that. We've primarily been sharing the information through other um, diabetic cat networking sites like the other feline diabetes websites, um, Facebook pages, um, the feline diabetes message board and things like that. The thing is that you don't have to have years and years and years of experience working with diabetic cats to be a volunteer for diabetic cats in need. All you really need is a desire to learn and a desire to work with us to help improve the lives of diabetic cats and to keep them in homes, get them transported to safe places, because that's another thing we do, actually. If we find a diabetic cat that's in an open admission shelter that's at risk of euthanasia, we do try to help find transport to a safe place, whether that's a home or a shelter that will take them or a foster family. And um, so the our volunteers are really crucial in helping us do that and uh, working with local rescues so those rescues can pull the cats for us to transport them. So we do a lot of, uh, we do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that sometimes I'm not even fully aware of how much is going on behind the scenes, but it's really amazing what our team is doing. Yeah, it sounds tremendous. And it sounds like you're leveraging as much of the technology that you can in order to be able to spread the word and get your network out as much as possible. One other resource that we found actually quite tremendous for our diabetic cats was connecting with the local hospital. Um, mm-hmm. and the nurses are huge fans of assisting diabetic cats. Sure, yeah. Because you know, they're not afraid of needles and all that kind of stuff. And dealing with diabetic people, you know, on a regular basis. And we've actually had some adopters who've adopted diabetic cats where the kids um, have Mm -hmm. diabetes. And so the family adopts a diabetic cat so that it helps the child understand what they've got going on. And um, Mm -hmm. so that's been nice. I would say over the years, I can think of maybe five different scenarios with that happening. Um, Yeah. And those are really touching stories, those adoption stories where you're trying to, you know, you're helping save the life of a cat, but yet you're also helping your family understand some of the lifelong challenges that they're going to have. That's a fantastic way to work with a diabetic cat and especially the whole aspect of working with children who have diabetes because I, I think a lot of times it really helps kids to feel less weird if they have a pet, well let's just say a cat because that's what I'm all about who is like them in a lot of ways and they can actually learn self-care by caring for their cat so that's a that's a very clever thing to do really wonderful and it saves lives for sure And now, let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Flashlight tag was fun when you were a kid, but no one wants to play hide-and-seek with their trap, 
Find your trap's location quickly and safely, even when you visit it at night, with the Reveal Wild application for Samsung Galaxy, HTC One, Sony, Xperia, and other Android phones. Or go to tinyurl.com forward slash Reveal Wild. We'll spend a little time talking about your blog. You've been writing sure. it since 2003. What sort of topics do you cover in the blog? Basically, what uh, what, what we cover is health and behavior advice uh, from the point of view of a lay person. So people write into us asking questions, and they're typically about behavior issues or health-related issues. And what we try to do, the cats and I, is to help them understand why their cat is doing what they're doing and help them understand what they can do to sort of use their cat's natural instincts to, for example, improve problem behaviors, whether that's marking or fighting or being shy or anything like that. And with health stuff, I mean, obviously, I'm not a veterinarian and neither are my cats, so we can't offer specific health advice. But what we can do is we can help people understand, like if they write to us and they say, oh, help, my cat's just been diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. What does this mean? What are my options? I'm confused and over overwhelmed, we can kind of take that information that's kind of medical gobbledygook and frame it into more of a layperson's understanding and hopefully in an entertaining way because it's really the cats kind of talking back and forth. How often does the blog come out? I post once a week on Sundays and every once in a while there might be more frequent, there might be a post in the middle of the week or something like that, but typically it's a weekly blog. And how would people find that blog if they'd like to check it out? Well, they can go to pause, P-A-W-S, dash and and dash effect.com. So pause and effect.com. Jaina, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, I'd just like to, to thank you for caring about community cats and, and doing such a great job to get the word out about uh, how we can keep cats in their homes and how we can keep community cats safe. These cats, these community cats deserve the kind the same level of compassion as our, as our cats that live in our homes. The only reason they're out there is because they were abandoned by the people who originally brought them into their homes. So if we can view these community cats uh, with compassion instead of distaste, view them as members of our community who can really be helpful in terms of killing rats and mice and doing other kinds of things that help prevent the spread of disease, you know, rather than looking at them as a nuisance or murderers or anything like that, let's let's just live in peace with them and do our best to keep the problem from growing by supporting trap, neuter, return efforts. And by spaying and neutering our own cats. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to having you again on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) 